This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's roundup. Before I begin, I just want to let everybody know I'm going to be getting rid of some extra stuff up on eBay. I have things just overflowing out of boxes here, so I'm getting rid of doubles or anything that I don't really use anymore just to make room for other stuff. So it's listed up on eBay if you're interested. Also, if you're a supporter, you should have probably already gotten a message about some extra stuff. I'm going to be going through the supporter channels as well, so you know, check your messages wherever you support. But anyway, I'll leave a link to eBay in the description if anybody's interested, but if not, Let's jump in and see what's been going on this week. First up, Retrobit has just opened pre-orders on a new official reprint of the Super Famicom game Assault Suits Vulcan, which was also released as Cybernator on the Super NES. This game is the Japanese version with a brand new English localization, which I'm guessing was taken from the recently released Switch version of the game. It's available to purchase for $60 as a complete in-box game and $80 as a collector's edition with some extras. There's links to PAL, NTSC, and the original versions if you're interested in the description. So this one's kind of interesting. I, I've really been praising Retrobit's re-releases because they're games that are usually super expensive or it's really hard to get even if they're not that expensive. But this one kind of falls in the middle and I, I still like it, but it's just, uh, it's interesting because you could get the original Cybernator or Valken for a little bit cheaper than this or about the same price depending on what you're willing to purchase. Do you want mint condition, complete in box? Do you want cartridge only? Um, and of course, you could just get the, <coughs> the Switch version. But if you wanted an original game, an official reprint that has the new localization to play on original hardware, then this kind of falls into that category. So it's a bit more niche than some of the other re-releases they've been doing. But I like it. I think it's pretty cool. And also, just uh, my own very strong personal opinion. Thank you for having just an edition that's the game in a box. I love to see these collector's editions out there. And for some of my favorite games, I would like those. But very often, I don't really have the space for it. I just want to buy a game in a box like I would have back in the 90s. And that's exactly what they're offering. So while that's only an opinion, I'm sure collectors would probably only want the collector's edition. I definitely wanted to share that thought because there's got to be more people like me that just want to buy a game and don't necessarily want all of the extras. So just a, a thank you for that. That was pretty cool. Thanks, Retrobit. Uh, once again, links to everything is in the description if you're interested. And the pre-orders will only be open for about a month. So if you want it, you have some time. It's not like you have to rush and get it within a minute, but you're going to want to do that in October. Next up, Crix's awesome EDFX plug-and-play adapter is now in stock and available to buy at Stone Age Gamer. This is that plug-and-play device that could stick into the back of any Turbo Graphics or PC Engine console that has the pins in the back, and you get composite video and RGB, as well as the ability to pass stereo CD audio if you're using the Turbo EverDrive Pro. So using this adapter is not only the best plug-and-play adapter I've tested in a long time for the PC Engine and Turbo Graphics, but if you're using a TED Pro, you also get full stereo audio through it as well. And as a result, and especially because of the price as well, 
well. It's now my go-to recommendation for plug-and-play devices. You can get it for $60 with the Plexi case if you're on a budget. However, I really would strongly recommend getting the version with the Humble Bazooka 3D printed case. It's available in a bunch of different colors to try to match whatever PC Engine or Turbo Graphics you have, and that brings the price up to about $75. And if you don't have any good Genesis 2 cables, that because this runs off a Genesis 2 mini DIN, right there in the link on Stone Age Gamer, you could also choose to add HD Retrovision cables, Insurrection Industry cables. So basically, the one link has absolutely everything you'd need. Uh, I also linked to the Turbo EverDrive Pro just uh, in case. Um, so this is definitely an awesome thing that I strongly recommend considering if you're looking into a plug-and-play uh, device for stuff like this. If you need internal, the Zaxor mod seems to be the best one out there these days, but that stuff's always changing, so just hopefully you're subscribed to this channel and the podcast to get kept in the loop of that stuff. Um, just a, a quick reminder, I, we did <coughs> MD Fourier testing of it, and it performed really well. The sound kind of made it sound like a super CD-ROM 2 if you're using the Turbo EverDrive Pro through the EDFX. So that's a pretty awesome combination. And I also just showed the options that you need to set it to in order to get stereo audio. And if you want to see all that stuff in real time, I did a live stream on it uh, a while back. But really, the live stream just confirmed everything that I just said in you know less than three minutes. Totally safe to use, uh, very good quality audio and video output, to completely plug and play. And once again, I just, if you've got the extra budget for it, the 3D printed case is really nice. But if not, there's nothing wrong with just using the cheaper Plexi options. So uh, as always, just pick whatever works best for you. I just posted a video about a true digital to digital HDMI mod for the Neo Geo MV1C arcade board. This is using Marcus's CPS DigiAV, which is the same board that is the digital to digital mod for CPS arcades. And the video was actually done over two years ago, actually over two and a half years ago, but you just couldn't get the boards. So I didn't want to release a video just to have everybody really upset that you can't get the boards for them. That's unfortunately happened a few times, especially during the pandemic, when there was the part shortage and everything. Things sold out right away and then weren't available for a year. So I wanted to really try to avoid that. Um, and now when I released it, it's kind of interesting timing because I did edit a few things about the video just to reflect uh, some of the changes in the retro scene. One of the biggest changes is when I originally did the video, I just said it was really neat that it also gets true 240p output. So you could use something like the HD15 to SCART and a cheap HDMI DAC to get essentially RGB SCART out of this thing. But now, of course, I'm talking about what if you're just a super enthusiast and you want the perfect audio and video digital signal to go through a modern scaler like the RetroTINK 4K? But the thing that I did forget to talk about in the video is some context on things. And this is kind of the same argument I make for all internal digital mods, but uh, it's a little different because this also involves a super gun. So here's the example that I forgot to make. What if you have a whole bunch of different arcade boards and you're looking to use those both in your arcade machine or in a, on a flat panel through a scaler? Well, if that's the case, you're definitely going to want to get a quality super gun and some kind of scaler, be it the OSSC, the RetroTINK 4K, whatever. Um, but what if the only arcade board that you really want to use on your flat panel is the Neo Geo? And what if, you, especially you have an MV1C? 
at that point, it's probably cheaper to get this board and pay somebody to install it than it is to buy a decent super gun in a scaler, even, a, you know, one of the lower priced scalers. So that's kind of one piece of context that I, I definitely forgot. And I think it's because I always talk about it here on the podcast when I'm talking about HDMI mods. I should have put that in the video. So I don't know. Hopefully people still got it. Um, there is also Fixel's HDMI mod coming out that should work with this, but as well as the AES consoles. And uh, Marcus has also been trying to figure out ways to get this working on other versions of the MVS as well as the AES. So there's going to be more options for everybody. I mentioned that in the video. I just said um, Fixel's isn't out yet, so it's not fair to speculate on something that's not out. It's not a dig. I'm sure somebody's going to interpret it that way, but it's just, it's actually, in defense of both Marcus and Fixel. Why are you going to speculate on something that no one's held yet? So uh, I took that as a, a sign of respect and a compliment. Uh, you could interpret it however you'd like. But anyway, um, definitely check out the video. It was pretty neat. Um, it was also interesting to go back into an Adobe Premiere uh, session from two and a half years ago. That was many versions ago because some of the captures that I had just don't work. So I had to cut out some of the examples that I had put in because it doesn't work in Premiere anymore. And I don't know what happened to the originals. Because uh, when I do lossless captures, I very often will just uh, have like backups compressed if I need to reference them. But I don't want to keep like 20 gigs worth of stuff for a video I might not ever go back to. So I just cut some of the examples in there. But Hopefully there's still plenty of information to, uh, to get you what you need for this. And once again, I know I said it like twice in the video, but I kept showing the open MVS in this video because I thought it was a great way to show one use case, consoleized with dual analog and digital out, but you don't need to do that. You could just drill a hole in the side of the original MV1C case and mount it there if you want to. I just thought this made for cool examples and neat B-roll, uh, but you could just install it in an arcade board and set it in place and not worry about it. So links to everything are in here, including the OpenMVS project if you want to buy a kit for this, uh, and also links for the original HDMI mod, and of course the interview with Marcus that I had done. So hopefully you all enjoyed this one. Uh, I know this is a bit of a, a niche video, so I'm not expecting a gazillion views on it, but I do hope that at least Neo Geo fans would take a look, even if it's not something you're interested in. Uh, just, you know, even if you're already super happy with your AES, plus you get the Mr. Core for digital, and you don't really care, I still think you'd kind of be interested to see how it works. So maybe give it a watch and, uh, you know, let me know what you think. Next up, Will's Console Mods is selling the last batch of 21-pin Saturn switchers. I guess all of the parts required to make it are going end of life and are near impossible to get anymore, so Will just wanted to make one more batch for people. The 20 pins are totally sold out, and the 21 pins are about to sell out, so if you were looking to get one of these, you might want to jump on it now. Uh, unfortunately, it's not. Uh, you know, this isn't like building the hype train or something. It's just the parts aren't available to make them. So maybe Will will consider making a new revision. Maybe there will be newer ODEs that have this functionality built in, so we don't need to buy extra stuff. It's not a, it's not a dig on Will, by the way. I, I think this was an awesome thing, but just saying, hopefully there's at least more options. If you're not sure what the Saturn Switcher is, Tito did a deep dive video of it a while back. It's an awesome video. I definitely recommend watching it, but I'll just give a quick overview anyway, just in case. Basically, this is a device that replaces the power supply and allows you to run a Fenrir optical drive emulator and your original optical drive at the same time. So you remove the power supply and that frees up space. You mount this in its place 
you plug the Fenrir into it, you plug it, uh, and you also plug the optical drive into it, and then you plug it into where the optical drive goes, uh, and then that's basically it. Then you just use a good quality external power supply. So it solves a couple of problems. It allows you to upgrade the power supply. Now you could use an external international brick if you would like, which is great if you have you know, Japanese Saturns or something else. But it also, the most important feature, you could choose between original discs or using the optical drive emulator. And I love that. And I really hope more ODEs think about this. Uh, one, the newer one coming up for GameCube should have this functionality built in as well. I'm really excited about that. There's no pre-orders or anything yet. As soon as there is, I'll let everybody know. Uh, I just, just wanted to shout that one out because I love seeing dual functionality like this. So if you need one, uh, 20 pins are all sold out. 21 pins are still in stock but not too many, and hopefully there'll be more solutions in the future that kind of take all of this into consideration. Also, just on a personal note, as much as I get very nervous messing with any power signal ever, um, the thought of replacing an internal power supply when you're adding more components that draw power to a console is a good thing as long as it's built properly. So if you have a really nice DC to DC power supply system in there, having an ODE for the Saturn that's everything in one might actually be a really significant upgrade. It would raise the price, of course, so now you're going to have people complaining that the ODEs are more expensive, but that's really the type of thing that you should take into consideration. If you've just fully recapped your power supply and your whole Saturn or paid somebody else to do it, you might be a little frustrated at that, but if you haven't, this I think that would be a really cool idea, and I'd love to see a Fenrir with all of this stuff integrated into it just so you could have true upgrades across the board for your Saturn, but that's just opinions. You you all were going to have to voice your own opinions and see, uh, and uh, maybe the creators of this would, would think about stuff like that, but... Anyway, enough rambling. If you're interested in this, grab a 21 pin while they're still around. Next up are a whole bunch of updates for the OSSC as well as the OSSC Pro. Nothing new is for sale right now, but I wanted to prepare everybody because they are coming soon, within a few weeks probably. Uh, if you'd like to read the full press release or, or just purchase an OSSC, the links are there for it. <clears throat> but let's talk about the upcoming stuff, and there's quite a lot to unpack here. So let's start with the OSSC Pro. It's expected to ship next month for about $330. The maximum resolution it can support is 1440p60 or 1080p 120. And those are true full resolution modes. Those aren't pixel repetition. There is not going to be a 4K60 mode. It's just not possible for this chip. Uh, and it is potentially possible to have a 4x3 2160p version of pixel repetition. So that could be helpful for panels that run better at their native resolution, but that's not a true 4K60 mode, so you're not going to get 4K scan lines or anything else. I don't think that's a bad thing, especially when you consider the price of this thing, uh, but the other two modes that I just mentioned are fully functional with that. So this is interesting because this price point and functionality puts it kind of in a sweet spot now for the scalers that are out or coming out. It also, the thing that is kind of disappointing but also helps would help people decide which they want to purchase is it doesn't have composite or S-video ports at all. So if you really think about it now, you kind of take it back for a second. If you're on a strict budget but you definitely need a scaler and you have a little bit of modding skills, you could make a GBS control for under 50 bucks with everything that you need. Beautiful. If you're just looking to get in a plug-and-play solution and not really worry about anything, 
for you know over 100 but not much over you get a retrotink 2x pro that's got composite s video and component or you could get the original ossc more updates on that in a second and that's obviously not composite or s video so that's perfect if you have those other ones now there's also some things like the ossc is more ca compatible with arcade boards and retro pcs than the tink products up until the 4k of course so that's another price point to consider and now you have the next run of devices. You have the RetroTINK 5X, which is arguably the best scaler out now for consoles. You have all of the inputs that you would need, including VGA if you just get the HD15 discard adapter for it, except the compatibility with retro PCs and arcade, arcade boards isn't as high, and it doesn't do 1080p 120, which is kind of cool if you want to feed your own BFI to panels that could do it. So now you have the OSSC Pro that's about the same price as the Tink 5X, but it is going to be more, just like the other OSSC, more compatible with retro PCs and arcade boards. That's a little bit of speculation, and I shouldn't do that, but these are devices that I've tested before. You know, Marcus has been open about the compatibility. Marcus is always just open about all this stuff. So that's kind of neat. That kind of puts it at a different price point. And then, of course, you got the Tink 4K, which is going to be more expensive, but could do basically all of these things. So I really do think there's a lot of room in the market for the OSSC Pro. And I think there's a couple of very specific use cases that I think it would really be a help. Now, in defense of Marcus, this is a brand new product about to hit the market. Yes, it's, you know, it's been in prototype, final prototype form for a while now, since I was still in my New York City apartment, so over two years. But... I guess I think Marcus might have put this aside a little bit, you know, worked on the DEX firmware, but without the chips to build it, it wasn't in a place where people could test it. So now that it is, I think that it's going to release as a good product, but it's probably going to take a little while for things to get sussed out to make it as good of a product as the original OSSC. In case you can't figure it out, I'm not throwing shade at all. I'm just trying to create realistic expectations and get a little defensive of Marcus because I don't want this thing to be released and people be like, oh, it's not compatible with every one of my arcade boards, only 49 out of 50. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give Marcus some time. It'll, it'll mature after a couple of firmwares. Anybody that's following Marcus for a while knows that he just continues to deliver. And that moves on to the next thing to talk about. There is a new OSSC revision and a new firmware but there's some compatibility issues going on with this. Um, some people might be bummed. I'm excited for this, so let me walk you through it. First, there's a new revision of the OSSC. It's not out yet. It's going to be out probably a little bit before the OSSC Pro for the same price, same price as the original OSSC, not the Pro. Um, but it has some hardware changes that allows it to be more compatible with certain input devices. So to be clear, if you have you know, 49 arcade boards that work with the original OSSC, but one that doesn't, this might actually fix that. Also, on the flip side, though, if you have a TV that's compatible with 1080p 4X, but not 5X, this is not going to fix that. This is for the input side, or it most likely wouldn't fix it. Try it anyway, if you, if you end up getting one of these things. Now, the firmware that goes along with this also adds Shadow Mask CRT emulation, HDR mode, 1440p pixel repetition mode. So that's not true rendering or scaling to 1440p, but it's that very neat trick that if you have a 1440p native resolution monitor, definitely use it, uh, or at least try it. Um, and of course, the improved sync support, except there's one catch. You can't install it on older OSSCs unless you do a mod. 
Now, there's some good news. The mod is basically one wire. And if you did put this firmware on the old OSSC or if you did it and the mod didn't work right, you'd get some crazy video output, but that's fine. Just use the LCD screen on the side to flash it back to any of the other firmwares. It's not locked or anything like that. So <clears throat> the only kind of catch is the mod that you need to do. You need to remove one surface mount resistor, super easy, but then you need to take something very small like a Kynar wire and solder it directly to one of the pads of that SMD resistor and then run it around the board and solder the other one to one single pin on the end of the FPGA. Now, that doesn't sound very hard, except there's a few things to note. You have to then properly tin and heat up a very tiny pin and a very tiny pad. And what happened to me when I was doing this was... I did the pad first, but I didn't tape the wire down. If I was smart, I would have done the pad side first, or either side first, doesn't matter, but then I would have put a dab of glue on the wire, not on the solder joint, on the wire to tack it down to the board or a piece of non-conductive tape. And then I would have run the other one around, cut it to size, maybe even cut the wire to size before you do any of this, and then tape that down and then solder that in place. What happened to me was I did the first pad, ran it around to the FPGA, tacked that one down, taped that down, and then when doing so, when I twisted the wire, it twisted the pad right off the board and pulled it off. So this is not for beginners at all. This would be for people that do stuff like this all the time. So if you repair boards, if you do mods like this, then sure, no problem. It's still fixable if you do that, but now we're talking about something that's just a little bit out of my comfort zone. I probably could do it with some patience, but I'm just going to pay Jose to do it. So I told you that story just to make it very clear that this is probably not a mod that you're going to want to do unless you have experience doing it. It's not like an SNES mini RGB mod that you could easily do with just a bit of patience and some practice. This is a little harder than that. I don't want to see people ruin their OSSCs. Uh, Video Game Perfections offering, offering a service to mod it. I'm sure your local modder would probably do it as well. Same stipulation as always. Make sure they know what they're doing to the best of your ability. So I just wanted to just say that because anybody that's watched my live streams knows I am not a beginner, but I am by far no way an expert modder. I'm just good enough to do this stuff. And I should have been smart enough to do this right. I don't know if everybody has bad days. So I just wanted to put that out there. Now, of course, there's two ways that you could look at this thing. You could say, oh, Marcus released a firmware that I want, but I have to do a mod to get it or buy a new motherboard revision. That's terrible. Or you could look at it like, Marcus is still supporting this product with completely free firmware updates that he could have charged for if he wanted to after all of this time, even with another product coming out. I think you all know which I choose to look at this or how I choose to look at this. So I think it's awesome. Um, I think if you need an OSSC and you don't have one, maybe yours broke or whatever, just wait a couple of weeks and get the latest 1.8 motherboard revision. If your OSSC is working completely fine, think about if you need the update. Is everything working? Do you need any extra features? Are you using a 1080p monitor? Don't bother. And that, I mean that with love and respect. Just why would you go through the trouble of doing this for something you probably don't need? But if you have a couple arcade boards that aren't working, you're running it on a native 1440p monitor, you just want to try out the shadow mask modes, whatever, then yeah, do the mod to your original one or pay somebody to have it done and take your completely free update and go from there. So 
Uh, hopefully I put everything into perspective. I wanted to be very clear without rambling too much, but as soon as the pro is out, I will have more information. As soon as I uh, bring my OSSC to Jose to have my terrible mod work fixed, I will uh, at least get some screenshots of the shadow mask. But this is this update was basically a prep so that the next time this stuff is released, I could just talk for two minutes about what it is and not ramble on for 10. So hopefully you all stuck with me because I wanted to get all that good info out there. Now it's time for this week's Mr. Updates, Care of Lou from Lou's Retrosource. As usual, I'm just going to skim through these, and if you hear anything that piques your interest, please check out Lou's video. He's got more details as well as visual examples of most of this stuff. Starting us out, Ronnie Snice released a new wallpaper for the Mr. that's based on the box art for the SNES version of Street Fighter 2. You could enable Ronnie's wallpapers in the update all script settings, but honestly, you should have done so already. They're free. They're awesome. Even if you decide they're not your thing, you press one button to turn them off. This is this is like a must-have, in my opinion. I don't say must-have too often. I usually do when it's something that's free. This is free. So what do you got to lose? They're absolutely awesome, and I really appreciate Ronnie taking the time to do them. Next, Anton Gale's gone through the code for the Exerian core and added a cocktail cabinet mode as well as also recoded a lot of the core. Now, uh, this is something that I think is always really commendable. It's very exciting to release new stuff and to share that with people, but my nerd side really appreciates somebody who goes back and takes the time to just clean up their previous work and, and make it even more tweaked. So shout out to Anton. You know, Thank you for doing that. Um, there's been some more updates and announcements for the Mars project. I talked about it a little bit last week, but to be honest, I've been putting together a post that kind of introduces it, and then I want to do interviews with the team and stuff like that. So I just I want to wait to do that uh, before I talk in detail about it because I just I want to present the project properly and uh, and really put it paint it in a, a good light because I do think it's got a ton of potential. And if uh, you know if they hold up to at least half of what they've been talking about, it's still going to be awesome. So stay tuned for that. But the most important thing is there's no like pre-orders or anything opening up in the next week. So if I'm delayed a week or two to get that out, it's not the end of the world. And you can always follow them on social media too. Next, Wizzo showed off a prototype NFC board from Retro Castle that's much smaller than the ones that you can get off of Amazon and AliExpress. So it'll give you a lot more flexibility on where you could integrate an NFC reader. I talked a lot about this before. I think this project's awesome. Ivory and Wizzo are awesome. So I'm just happy to see more stuff like this coming out. Next up, the N64 core. Along with getting more games working, Robert also added anti-aliasing and de-dithering. So this will not only just make the core work more, but you could actually get the games looking better too. So this is very impressive stuff. And I believe My Life in Gaming just did a live stream with the N64 core. So check that out if you want more examples. I could be wrong about that. I was half asleep when I saw that. Sorry, I'm like, no, no disrespect if I got that wrong. Next up, Hotego mentioned that the Namco System 1 core should get Splatterhouse up and running soon. The core locks up at the moment and needs more debugging, but all the circuitry is hooked up and the four CPUs boot up and execute code. So that should be coming relatively soon. Next up, Mr. Add-on's Reflex RF adapter is now available for sale. <clears throat> This is the device that allows you to connect composite and either mono or stereo audio to get RF out. So that way you can hook up Mr. through the Mike Simone code or really just any composite video source to an RF only TV. Now I praised this thing 100% last time I talked about it, but there are a few more things to add. Even though I beat this point to death, some people were still not or wondering why you would want a new device to do this when you can get an old VCR, even one that 
Beats tapes, or you could just get one of those older composite to RF boxes. And while it's a fair question, I thought I was very clear about this. Of course you could do all of that. And if you're on a budget and you have the ability to get one of those for free, you should definitely do that. However, if you want a brand new small device that's probably going to last a lot longer than those other devices that are already 20 plus years old, this is the one to get. Also, the last time I praised the price, and I said something like, I wish all these things were a dollar so everybody could have one. That's not realistic. It's just, you know, my honest opinion. I praised the price because even the cost of the RF and the com uh, composite and left and right RCA jacks is high these days. And even though I thought the price was already fair, that's now 35 It's now $5 cheaper than it was. I have no idea how Bork's making a profit on this one, but... I mean, you couldn't ask for a more fair price than this. So yes, of course, you could find used old equipment that might do it. Who knows how long that larger old equipment's going to last? Maybe forever? Maybe a week? I don't know. But this one, at least, is a brand new small thing. You could just double-sided Velcro to the back of your TV <coughs> and essentially just have a composite video input. So I'm a fan. I think it's good. Um, and, you know, hopefully I got the point across right this time. Next up, Lemonson posted that release candidate one of the <coughs> of the Nemesis arcade core is now available. Updates include corrected audio and the latest Mr. Framework was also implemented. Since it's not stable yet, you'll have to enable unofficial cores and update all to get it, but once it is stable, it'll get moved over. And lastly, the next batch of Reflect Adapt adapters. I think Reflex is a product line that encompasses many products, but the RF is a reflex adapter too, right? I, I don't know. I'm kind of confused, but I'm pretty sure that this is the, the product that is an arcade stick based product. So that you could put this in your current arcade stick to allow functionality for USB. Uh, and also work is being done to add X input switch and PS3 compatibility, all aiming to be as low latency as possible. So uh, you know, like I've said the last time I talked about this, if it's as low latency as the JAMA adapter, then this is a good product to get. I know there's a bunch of other ones in the works uh, going both ways, actually. Uh, arcade stick to USB or USB to arcade stick and um, or, or to super gun, I guess. And this seems like a perfectly awesome choice. So if you're into this stuff, uh, definitely check out the post and the examples in Lou's video. And uh, that's it for this week. As always, thank you so much to Lou for keeping up with all this stuff. There's no way I could stay in touch with all of this and it's so nice to just have it all in one easy to listen to video and, and just put it all here so thank you very much to Lou please don't forget to subscribe to him as well reviews have come in for Eon's Xbox HDMI adapter and uh whew, this one's a doozy I have a feeling most of you are going to be canceling your pre-orders writing return to sender on that shipping label or just flat out returning it when you get it but um I'll go through and try to just say the facts and let you come to your own conclusion on this. However, I do want to very strongly stress one point. This adapter is about $200. Normally when I talk about stuff like this, I'm picking on cheaper adapters and recommending the more expensive solution for all the normal reasons you get what you pay for. This time is the exact opposite. And it's weird that it's weird that this even exists. And it's very weird that it's 200, but let's jump in. Um, so the output, the video output is about on par with your average $10 piece of crap AliExpress Xbox HDMI cable. Uh, 
there's a lot of analog interference. And yes, there's always going to be analog interference when you go from analog to digital. But this has more than cheap, unshielded com uh, component video cables that Tito showed in his video. Uh, so that's kind of annoying. That's not a showstopper for a $200 product. That's very annoying. But the other problem is that the signal, there's something wrong with the signal and it's definitely too dim. And I'm not sure if it's a brightness issue. This was picked up both in MVG's video as well as Tito from Macho Nacho Productions. Um, and MVG made a comment, I'm just kind of paraphrasing here, but something like you shouldn't have to just turn up the brightness on your TV for a $200 adapter. Uh, I actually don't know if that's true, though. All the respect in the world to MVG. Uh, I think I think he's awesome, but I don't think turning up the brightness can fix it in these scenarios because I've run into this problem with Xboxes before. Um, now, just a very polite reminder that MVG tested like a handful of Xboxes. Uh, Tito had two on hand, and I've probably seen this problem, I don't know, at least on 10 over the years uh, through certain adapters not the Xboxes itself. And the, the issue is best demonstrated in MVG's video when he started up a game and the title screen in one game or the, the logo screen was all white and on the Eon adapter, it was gray. So that isn't a brightness issue. I have a feeling if you turn the brightness up on your TV, you could see certain things a little bit better, but I think it would actually wash out more than it would make the image brighter because I've seen this before. I'm speculating a little bit because I don't have one and I definitely will not be touching one of these things, but uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure that problem goes deeper than that because it definitely happened on a few other Xbox adapters that I tried and that's what I found. I think I know what the problem is, but I definitely don't want to speculate. And um, I, I don't want to talk too much out of turn here, but I absolutely wanted to say that the video problem is, isn't just brightness and analog interference. It might be unfixable brightness. So I'd like to see other, <coughs> other reviewers double check that. But still, once again, $200 for this adapter. So that was pretty bad. Um, now, the other features of it seemed to work fine. The dual output, dual HDMI output seemed to work, and the network hub seemed to work as well. But this is where, this is where things get a little stranger. If you wanted to match the performance of this, you could do all of that for like 30 bucks. You go on AliExpress and you get a crappy splitter, a crappy HDMI cable for Xbox, and a crappy network hub, and you're, you basically have matched the entire performance of this thing. If you want to do it right, and here's the crazy part to me, if you want a really good analog to digital conversion, the Electron Shepard one is $42. And this is a very good HDMI output analog to digital video. And there's even a switch on the last model released where you could choose between digital to digital audio, which means all the surround sound formats come through too. Or if your display or AVR isn't compatible with that signal, you could flip a switch and just get stereo left and right. So you have an adapter that really gets you way better video performance and better audio performance as well for $42. Now, if you want to continue down that road, you can get one of those HDMI splitters I absolutely gushed about over the past couple of years. There's been two or three that were just spectacular. And you could even just get a decent but cheap gigabit hub or switch or something. And now you're really talking less than half the price for a solution that works far better. The splitters that I talk about have a ton of options in them and you could use them on multiple things. So when I originally speculated on this when the announcement was made, 
I had strongly recommended people don't buy it because it's very overpriced. Uh, and I also said that maybe people, maybe this product is for people who throw LAN parties. And if you have your box of 10X boxes, to try to wire things up might be a lot easier just to have one of these in. But I, I now rescind that recommendation. I don't even think you would want to do that because how are you going to throw a LAN party where you can't see what you're doing in dark scenes of a game? Uh, MVG definitely said some scenes were unplayable. The, the good news, um, if you want to call it that, Tito opened his up. Uh, you cannot open it. You have to cut it open. So there's no way it's user serviceable. So if for whatever reason, the team found that they had made a mistake in production, you can't even repair it without cutting it and gluing it back together. But the boards on the inside were at least, uh, at least looked like they came from a factory. Eon's previous products had little pieces of metal hanging across with some glue holding them on. It was awful. Tito showed the Voltar shots in this video, and that's how all of them shipped. That wasn't like a defective unit. So at least they got that one right this time. Uh, and although the part numbers were scraped off, a couple of my friends and I were very easily able to identify what's in there, and it's just a bunch of cheap off-the-shelf components. So this is an incredibly overpriced product. And, you know, unless the case costs a hundred bucks each, uh, this thing you, you're getting ripped off and they know it and they're doing it on purpose. And they're using that marketing tactic of if you make something more expensive, people will just assume it's better because it's expensive. And if you had any doubt on that, I'd like you, I'd like to read Eon's response to MVG word for word. Eon said, thanks modern vintage gamer for your honest take on XBHD. But how did you like the box? I couldn't make this up if I tried. So no talking about, hey, you know, here's, you know, here's the path that we're going to use to fix that. There's no, hey, did you try this at least, even though there's nothing to try. Nothing. Just, uh, just a snarky little comment. And uh, when I not so politely pointed that out, their comments were equal. So, um, you know, you could come to your own conclusion on this one. You could tr try to buy this thing and, and think that it's going to work for you, but it's probably not. I made a, a very silly comment in the post that uh, I kind of stick to. Uh, I said, this is so bad. If people seeing you using one of these, they might assume you're gullible and try to get you to join a pyramid scheme. Um, while I was me matching Eon's, uh, Eon's public comments and kind, I do also kind of think that this one's like, people are going to judge you. And I hate to say that. And I'm not, you know, I, I, you could just get as mad at me as you would like for saying that. But if somebody walks up to you and sees, you know, basically a $10 AliExpress cable in a $200 box, and you're using that on your Xbox, like, that's that's not good. People are going to know that you kind of got suckered. So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm very disappointed in all of this. I'm not surprised at all from Eon. I've, uh, I've um, this is kind of what I expected, but I didn't expect it this bad. I could expect $99 for something like this. I, even though this is probably a $50 product, I could expect them trying to get 99, but almost 200 uh, is horrible. So I'm sticking with what I said at the beginning. I'm pretty sure most of you are going to be returning yours, canceling your pre-orders, and you should because this is a blatant ripoff and uh, they should be ashamed of themselves. And I don't know how they thought they weren't going to get caught. Um, I think they were trying to rely on reviewers that give positive reviews for free samples. However, that kind of backfired too because there's too many good reviewers already looking at this thing. You know, the two videos I pointed out, MVG and Tito, really show you all you need. But hey, look at the bright side. Now, if you see somebody praise this thing, you uh, you know what I've been saying for years. Some of these reviewers 
will do anything for money. And uh, they don't really care about actually testing. They just shake the box, say it doesn't feel like there's any lag in there, plug it in and tell you how great it is. So at least uh, at least you could look forward to that. Any reviewer you see praising this thing and not mentioning its absolute broken video output is not someone you could trust for reviews on hardware products. So yeah, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people upset with me for everything that I said, but you know, uh, it's my job to be honest about this stuff. And I wish I could only be the drunk, jolly Santa type that only talks about happy things and awesome people in the scene. But I, I, if I took the stance of I don't do any negative reviews at all, how would you know what not to buy? And remember, all of my negative stuff is backed up by lots of facts. And while I'm speculating here, Tito and MVG both nailed it. Um, they, they got this thing right. So yeah, I, uh, I'm sticking by everything I said here. You're welcome to tell me if you think I'm wrong, but you might want to just check uh, what is it? I forgot what it's called. Sunk cost syndrome or something. A lot of people get really angry when they find out that the thing that they bought is junk and they blame the people that told them rather than just say, ah, I probably should have done more research on this one. My bad. I'll return it. So check the comments. Let's see how many of those I get this week. So this one's pretty cool. Remember a while back, I did an interview with Jammin' Sam Miller, who was taking SNES games and finding their original audio samples and recreating those as MSU1 soundtracks. Well, I thought it was a great interview. I love Sam's work, and I loved playing Super Metroid with that soundtrack. Um, while I, I've always been a fan of the MSU, <coughs> MSU1 audio, sometimes it's, and this is just an opinion, sometimes it's a novelty that kind of wears off. So you're playing Super Metroid with a Super Metroid orchestral soundtrack, and that's pretty neat. But very often, I would end up just going back to the original. And when I played Super Metroid last, I started out with the original, then I did the orchestral, then I did this one. Then I went back to the original and just went, oh, I can't, I can't do that anymore. I had to go back to Sam's. It's that much better because it's the same soundtrack. It's everything that's not compressed down to fit in the SNES sample limitations. So... I'm telling you all this to say that as awesome as that soundtrack was and how that's now going to only be the way I play Super Metroid forever, that soundtrack is now available to purchase on vinyl. So that I thought it was really cool. And that's kind of unexpected. And this is really neat too, because, you know, whether you're a fan of vinyl for collecting or whether you're a fan of vinyl for listening, there's so many aspects of it that are neat. For me personally, I don't mean any disrespect when I say this, collecting is cool and all, but I'm in it for the experience. And I'm willing to bet that if I drop the needle on this record, sit back and listen, I think it's going to just like send me directly to Planet Zebes. I'm definitely buying this one. I'm really looking forward to listening to it. And, uh, you know, you could also listen to it for free right on the page there. So if you want to just see what it sounds like before you buy it, that's cool. And I love it when people do that because... I, you know, a lot of people don't buy music nowadays. So I have a feeling when you give people an excuse to say, you know what, I really like this one. I think very often that gets you more sales than not. So people don't have to guess and say, "Ah, I don't know if I'm going to like it. I'll skip this one. So give it a listen, see what you think. You could buy it digitally. You could buy the record. I'm definitely buying it, buying the vinyl for this one. I just think it's so unbelievably cool. So shout out to Sam for, for pulling this off. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing how it sounds on my setup. Well, that's it for this time. As always, thanks to anybody who watches, listens, plays nicely in the comments, especially weeks like this week when I have to talk about something negative. I always enjoy when people come in with a respectful adult comment. Totally okay to disagree with me. 
And if you disagree with me and it turns out you're wrong, I'll very politely try to explain why and treat you with respect. If you come in guns, guns blazing, you'll most likely get ignored. I'm only human. Sometimes I'll fire right back at you. But seriously, thank you to everybody who makes the comment section in these videos a fun place to just talk to people and, and have adult disagreements where you don't have to really agree on everything. You could just decide for you what's better. I really appreciate that. So thank you all. And I especially appreciate all of the support on platforms like Patreon and Flowplane because it is you who is keeping this stuff going. All the weekly stuff and especially all of the behind the scenes stuff that I've been working on that I'm trying to show you more now with uh, these live streams. But yeah, I appreciate you all. You're awesome. And I will see you next week.